Our first lesson is recorded for us in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 38, a text that is near and dear to us here at Bethany. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Here ends our first lesson. Our second reading, which will also serve as the basis for our sermon today, is taken from the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 4. <clears throat> the Lord says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. <clears throat> Dear fellow redeemed in Christ, I'd like to tell you two little short conversations I had in the ministry that were both a little surprising to me. The first one happened on a Sunday morning many years ago when I was a young pastor. And a gentleman from the congregation who was probably about my age now came up to me with his little two-year-old granddaughter in his arms. And he wanted to introduce me to her. It was the first time he had brought her to church. And he said, Pastor, I want you to meet, and I forget her name, but he, he introduced me to this little girl. And then he started to tear up. I could see in his eyes he was getting very emotional. And he was a kind of a big, tough guy, but he started to just break down holding her. And he said, I completely blew it with my children, but I will not blow it with my grandchildren. And he was talking about bringing them to church. He went on to explain how in his lifetime, at the point in his career and with his business when things were going well, he had put so much time and effort into that and had really neglected the spiritual lives of his children. And now the guilt of that was really, really starting to hit him. But he was determined now with his granddaughter to make sure to get her there. The other interesting conversation happened right after a confirmation class. A little eighth grade girl, 13 years old, came up to me and she had her catechism in front of her. We had just had a lesson about the importance of worship and hearing God's word and things. And she had a passage highlighted and then she said to me, Pastor, how can I get my parents to go to church? And I thought, boy, is this backwards. This should be the other way around. It's interesting that God has designed our human relationships in such a way 
that the most influential place for passing on the Christian faith and a love for Christ and his word is in the home. And we see that certainly indicated in our text for today. And when this somehow breaks down, it, it can be devastating. Sometimes devastating for generations after that. So God established the home as a foundational infrastructure, if you will, for society at large, but especially when it, came, when it comes to spiritual matters as well. And you can even see that when the Messiah, when his son, Jesus Christ, comes into the world, that God selects a human family for him to land in, if you will, to grow up in. He doesn't pick a palace. He doesn't pick a business. doesn't pick an army. He doesn't pick something else that the world might have, but he picks a family, a lowly, humble family with a mom and a dad. This importance of the parent-child relationship is also why Rebecca in the Old Testament at the time of the patriarchs said to her husband Isaac, she said, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. That means their son Esau's uh, wives that he had picked were from the pagan world. If Jacob takes a wife, their other son, like these who are of the daughters of the land, what good will my life be? She had started to see the negative impact of this on the grandchildren that they had. And what a devastating thing that can be. And that's why they sent their son Jacob back to their own family to find a wife. Uh, dating and courting was really then ultimately all about Christ. Marriage and family really had to do with Christ. It really had to do with making sure that their children and grandchildren would be ready for Judgment Day. And that's really what this all comes down to. Are they going to be ready for the day of judgment? Now, God has not given parents, or grandparents for that matter, the duty of creating faith. He alone reserves that for himself through the work of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. But he has given to parents and even grandparents the duty of bringing children and grandchildren to the places where faith can be created. That means namely in God's word and through his sacraments. The text in front of us is the, was spoken to the children of Israel and they as a people were responsible uh, by God's selection starting with Abraham to be the, fair, the very line of people through whom the Messiah would be brought into the world. Uh, God had said to Abraham, through you all nations of the earth will be blessed because one of his descendants would be this very Christ child who would come into this world to suffer on the cross, to pay for the sins of all people, and to give us the hope of everlasting life in heaven. We think of Peter's words, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This one little baby that the children of Israel were delivering into the world, into human history, was the one little human being and also son of God through whom the only way and hope of getting to heaven would be brought into this wicked, sinful world. And so the word of God that, that brings that along with that, that Christ child, the word of God that teaches us our need for the Savior, that exposes in me and in you our sinfulness 
and how hopeless our lives would be on our own that, that causes us to, to realize the, the great need that all of us have for God to be the one to provide us with salvation. That word is so important, but it also delivers us the wonderful hope that we have in Christ, that he's come into this world to atone for all of our sins. And by faith in him, we have the promise of life everlasting in heaven. So that word of God comes along that delivers this Christ, who is the word made flesh, so that humanity can have this wonderful hope of going to heaven to be ready for judgment day. I'd like to ask you to do a little picture in your mind. Imagine a small Bible that you have open in the palms of your hand. And on top of that, imagine taking the little, uh, the little manger out of a nativity set and putting it on top of that little Bible in your hands. And the word of God is what brings that Christ to us so that we can have this salvation. And now parents and grandparents, it is their responsibility to pass on that, that little book and that little, that little Christ child to the next generation so that they can know about him as well and come to believe in him as well. Now there are many enemies of this delicate, special little transfer there are multiple enemies in the world. The culture hates this transfer. That's why the devil rages against marriage and rages against family relationships because he knows if he can disrupt this, he can interfere with this whole process. There are also, uh, there are also enemies just inside of us, our sinful human nature and things. So there are multiple enemies trying to make sure that this doesn't take place. And that's why our Lord in the text before us calls for such thoroughness when it comes to this instruction that takes place in the home. The word of God is to infuse every part of our lives, every aspect of life. When you read this text, rising and getting up and, and uh, when you sit up, when you teach them along the way and so on, all the different ways, hear it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Every aspect of life. The greatest enemy of this transfer that takes place is hypocrisy in the home. When children are led to believe that God's word is only important on certain, in certain aspects of life or on certain days, but not other days or not to all things, when they see apparent hypocrisy in their mothers and fathers of not wanting to live out this very same faith, it tends to undermine this very instruction. It undermines the authority that God wants us to see and find in his sacred word. And so when we as parents or grandparents send out mixed messages to our children, it always works in Satan's favor. Notice he says, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. That's where it starts. It starts with the adults. These words shall be in your heart. And then he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. If you were living in the first century 
let's say the very day of Good Friday and you were living in Jerusalem and you knew the streets of Jerusalem very well and somebody came to you and asked you, can you show me how to get out to Golgotha? You could give them directions and you could tell them to take the street that today they call Via Della Rosa right out to Golgotha. Or you could say, follow me and I will lead you. When God calls upon us as parents to pass on this wonderful truth of how to get to heaven to our children, he doesn't say just tell them about it, just give them directions and walk away. Lead them. Lead them. Take them there. Let them see you going to the cross before they. It will never, it will never hurt your children to have them see their parents and grandparents reaching for the cross of Christ with a trembling hand because then they realize how much they must need it too. Watch me is really how we should approach this with children. See, see in me how much I need forgiveness to my son and daughter, to my grandson and granddaughter. See how much I need the holiness that I don't have myself but that I have fully in this Savior that has been given to me. See how important my baptism is to me, where God has covered me with his grace and shed his love upon me, and where he's given me faith. See how important God's word is to me, the very word that gives us life, eternal life in heaven. See in me how I crave God's grace in his sacrament, See what a wonderful, special thing this is that the body and blood of Christ are brought to me through this blessed bread and wine. This is how you are going to go through life. Watch me, we say to our children and grandchildren. This is how to get to heaven. Come with me. I will take you to the foot of the cross. So God would have us see our lives as living sermons to our children. Now, whenever I preach about parenting, I feel guilty because not a single one of us has done it perfectly. And we often struggle with this, and it makes us realize our weaknesses. How important it is for us to know of God's holy and complete and full absolution that we have in Christ, even when we've been failing as parents. But may he, with this faith he's given us, stir up our hearts so that we may display his marvelous, wonderful grace to the generations that are to come, that someday they may enjoy the feast of salvation at our side. Amen.